재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Soon they're called Humanity Ska, just one of the many numbers featured in Dead Dog in a Suitcase and other love songs playing in Seoul right about now. This is our weekly focus on interesting people who are passing through the city. It's called People in Seoul, easily enough. And we've got two members of a critically praised musical production troupe called Nihai. They make their home base in the UK, and they're here to put on that dead dog show. They are director Mike Shepard and lead actor Ed Hughes. Welcome to both of you, gentlemen. Hi, Ed. Hi, Ed. So we heard the Humanity Ska there. Um, that's one of your numbers in the show. Can you? Uh, it definitely had a ska rhythm, no doubt about that. What was uh, the thrust of that song? Well... Um, what we wanted to do, we worked with a, an amazing composer called Charles Hazelwood, who conducts the world's top orchestras, and he basically wanted to get his rocks off. He wanted to get away <laughs> from classical music for a while yeah. uh, and get into every kind of genre of, of music. So uh, the Beggar's Opera was originally written um, in 1728, and it was arguably the first ever musical, if you like. But what was unusual about it in Britain at that time, it was written by a guy called John Gay, and he was reacting to the Italian opera of the time where yeah. the upper classes were going and it was it was kind of high prices and it was all to do with the the upper echelons of society. So he went out on the street and he collected the songs of the beggars on the streets so contemporary kind of dirty little ditties and he created his own opera for the beggars and it's it's probably the first ever musical so with Charles Hazelwood we wanted to take that idea again so a lot of the music it um is contemporary, so sure. yes, it's hip-hop. Yeah, it's relatively dubstep. rare that we hear yeah. uh, ska in musical theatre at all. You got a little bit ahead of us with a lot of information to unpack in that answer there. Basically, Dead Dog in a Suitcase, which you're playing now in Seoul, is a an adaptation, shall we say, a reboot, a modernization of that beggar's opera from John Gay back in the 1700s, right? Yeah. Uh, Ed, your character in this Dead Dog is what? I play McHeath, who's uh, an assassin... Who's, wow. who's hired uh, by the main businessman in the area called Mr. Uh, Peachum uh, to murder the mayor. Well, that's cheerful. Yeah, it is. It is a comedy, <laughs> yeah. though. It that's is a right. comedy, it is really? A comedy. Yes, serious? yes, it is. Um, it's called Dead Dog in a Suitcase for a reason as well. The mayor, the, the mayor is out taking his dog for evening walkies. Okay. Uh, and it's the dog actually that's taken out first. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. It, it is a dark comedy of British humour. Yeah. <laughs> it is, okay, so Dead Dog in a Suitcase and other love songs. I was watching the trailer a bit earlier. It's got this, the, the, the thing that hit me first is it looks like a, a Brecht play, you know, and that's probably no accident, right? You said it's a uh, remake or a reboot of the Beggar's Opera which Brecht himself did later on as the Dry Groschen Oper, right? Do I yes. have that correct? Mm. And it's got the same sort of stark look. And I don't know, I, I, I didn't connect with the full content, but it looks like these characters are very gritty, very grungy, sort of, you know, uh, almost gutter characters. Do, is, is the visual correct on that? 
yes, I think so. It's a dark underworld. And in 1728, John Gay, when he wrote The Beggar's Opera, he was railing against not only high Italian opera, but he was he was railing against the government at the time, the injustices of the world, yes. how um, a poor man would be hanged for stealing a slice of bread sure. for his family while the rich were immune. Um, Brecht and Kurt Weill rewrote it in mm-hmm. the 1940s as a reaction to fascism and we felt it was time to react again. Uh, I, I mean, the news, the, what, what is the world coming to is a, is a sentence that goes through our piece. Um, and we absolutely celebrate the world and it's a love story as well. Uh, but you've just talked about... Ed's character, McKeith, yes. he, he's this rogue. He's a kind of Casanova, a Don Juan in the Beggar's Opera and the Thrupney Opera. In our version, we've brought him into the present day, which makes him a, a contract killer and, and working within the corrupt business world. So there's a certain celebration of vul- vulgarity here which is going on, and I don't mean that in the sense of vulgar language or bad words. I mean, you know, the, the vulgar level of yeah, society, the, under, the, the common... The of society. Yeah. yeah. All right, so you you guys, is this a... In keeping with what you usually do, I know back in the UK you you uh, rehearse in a bunch of barns, don't you? Yeah, we do. Uh, I suppose uh, we we remain an independent company, although we now work in some of the biggest theatres in the world, not least LG Art Centre here in Seoul, and what a privilege it is to be sure. here. But we started off outside of theatres. We started off in the woods performing by firelight we we used to perform in old quarries old gunpowder quarries uh, and the work has a, a physicality and a musicality and a robustness that is born from playing outside in the elements if you like yes uh, so we're not relying on lots of text and lots of script to tell the story we're telling the story with with a toolkit of uh, music uh, puppetry dance action design poetry um so i don't think we usually do anything in particular every show is different but we we often use all of those ingredients ed talk to me a little bit more about your character he's an assassin out to kill the mayor winds up first killing the mayor's dog uh, yeah, t- tell me where the humor comes in <laughs> well i think he's he's come back from from a war okay and so he's obviously um uh, been through a, uh, a bit of suffering, but he's also very good at his job. Um, but I think when the play starts, he's come to a point when he realises he, he doesn't want to go on. There's a, an anxiety that's creeping up inside of him, and he's also fallen in love with Polly Peachum, who's the daughter of the, the main businessman, Mr Peachum, uh, and he gets married to her. And so there's a sense that he's looking for a new life, a way out and uh, and a hope within his life, which maybe he's not felt before, but it's whether he can actually escape the life he's always lived and whether that catches up with him. And it's, it's, it keeps chasing him, and he's trying to get away. Your timing is incredible on this. I mean, there's this real worldwide kind of zeitgeist going on, isn't there? Absolutely. 1% and Occupy Wall Street and the yeah. way the vote 
is going wild in the United States. Absolutely. And over here, there was kind of a shake-up vote about a week or two ago. Um, I think this common man And all angle, that's happening, you know, in the UK with the Panama stuff that's right. coming out. The and, top and guy may lose his job. And uh, right? Prime Minister... Well, I don't know whether he'll lose his job. But We'd yeah. love him to lose his job. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> there's your political editorial for the day. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the adaptation of the, the Beggar's Opera. Back then, uh, they were departing from sort of the high Italian and all of the classical elements. You've got some ska in this. What other irreverent kind of things have you done? I, I wanted to strengthen the story. Um, quite often with the kind of Casanova Don Juan rogue character I wanted to give him more so as Ed said in the middle of it is this love story where we're hoping he's going to make good we're hoping he does get the girl uh, and has a better life and becomes a better person Um, also in Thrupney Opera and Beggar's Opera uh, the women are always quite weak and in our version uh, there's the chief of police daughter who is actually pregnant by McKeith and loves him too and is is unbeknown to her dad, is a top criminal as well. And Polly Peacham, who represents innocence and light, um, she, uh, the actions of McKeith take her to the kind of brink of existence, if you like, and, and she comes back as a gangster and actually runs his gang. Uh, so we've made all kinds of changes. I'll tell you the one thing, me, me and the writer Carl Groves, while we were thinking about this show we watched Breaking Bad Oh man, that yeah, is my favourite show uh, I think most people you talk to will say that But Well and we watched the first episode of it and we thought, now what if we applied that kind of plotting technique yeah. to, to this fairly archaic old piece of theatre yeah. and suddenly we were away so it's quite filmic it cuts between different scenarios and I guess uh, it's much more of a roller coaster than it ever was it's a very stark presentation, isn't it? I mean, this is not relying on fancy sets and things like that. And uh, yeah, We've got a whole load of musicians who are, are on stage, but everybody plays an instrument. We're always... I run around, play the piano. We're constantly moving in, in and out, and the actors are on stage all the time. Um, it's, it's quite a complicated set, actually. It, uh, it's it's like around, an adventure yeah. playground, people you know, kind of shoot, shimmy and hoot their way around it. There's lots of climbing and shooting down slides and fire poles. So uh, in in terms of its darkness, no, it's not an elaborate set, but mm-hmm. it's a kind of adventure playground as well. A dark one, uh, mm. a lot of shadows and a lot of uh, sudden changes of light, it yeah. looks mm. like, from the yeah. preview that I saw. Guys, I want to take a short little break to listen to some of the actual music from the show. We've got... Black Polly queued up, and I think you mentioned, Mike, a little earlier, Polly is a, an almost angelically pure character who tumbles down and uh, has some rough knocks and goes through almost a Breaking Bad process and comes back literally blackened. Uh, is that enough of a setup for us to listen to this song, or do we need to know anything else to hear? No, I think that's fine, yeah. Let's give a listen to Black Polly. Her love burned brightly, but then it was doused. She wished for him nightly, but he could not be found. The poor girl went down, she heard the ocean sound. Cracks in her heart and cracks in the hull. Now a storm rages in her pretty skull. 
Her timbers shivered, the waves rolled her bones. She drank the drink gamely, filled her pockets with stones. The poor girl went deep, saw the ugly fish creep. Saw love and death, saw the seabed. Nothing but shells where she lay her sweet head. Guys, that's a very pretty song. Uh, I, it's a very sweet song. Polly singing about her personal story at the beginning. Uh, I seem to remember her saying, uh, my heart cries out for him. Yeah. Uh, Ed, that's your character that she's crying yes, out for. yeah. Does uh, Polly get mixed up with an assassin and that's what's her downfall? Yeah, I, I say I'll, I'll meet her and we'll get away from this place um, together. But things get a little bit complicated. And so um, I can't quite get there. And so, dead dog in a suitcase, might we say this is the story of Polly's downfall? Is that the nut of the story? I, I think quite possibly it is. Uh, and I think that's one of the main differences from the Beggar's Opera and the Thrupney Opera is that we've put this love story in the middle of it. Um, if, for those that know Breaking Bad, it's Jesse and his girlfriend. They've sure. got that suitcase of cash, they're going to go to New Zealand... They yeah. don't ever make it. So it's kind of that story. Uh, and I think it's a story where it, even when when someone is corrupt like McKeith, who you can't quite believe him, you want to believe the best in people. I, I believe, going back to that, the world is poor, that notion that the opposite of that, we want to believe the best of people. We want to believe a bright future, don't we? Ed, how do I classify this musical uh let's say i've got 10 seconds in an elevator to describe this musical to somebody Uh, what would i say it's it's a i'd say it's um a musical about the corruption of the world where a man is trying to do the right thing but is always being pulled back into what he knows Okay. the life that's behind him. It's a kind of jukebox musical yeah. as well. Uh-huh. It's enormously entertaining. Uh, I don't want an audience to think, oh, God, this is going to... This no, sounds it's very, a bit very depressing. Funny. Yeah, it's, it's a, well, I was about to ask you, do I leave the theatre with a happy face or a sad face? I, I think you... On a good night, we'd look to take an audience on a journey and to land in a place they never expected to be. So uh, I would hope that you've experience something that uh, yeah has taken you somewhere else for a place whether you end up whooping and cheering or, or or crying i'm not sure okay well it sounds intriguing for sure why soul why choose to take it to soul did you get invited or we we were invited and uh yeah we we, we mentioned earlier all the craziness of the world and donald trump it's only 7 years ago <laughs> when barack obama said uh, um 
we must all become global citizens. And I think there there is a feeling of a kind of right-wing tsunami where everyone is protecting their own and saying no one can come in. And and we used to tour a lot, a lot more than we we have done recently. We you know, we toured through China, through Syria, through Lebanon, all these countries. And it's become much harder in the last decade. So we deliberately um, thought, yes, please, Mr. Obama, we'd like to be global citizens. So it is terrific. Um, we've just come from Colombia, Bogota to Seoul, and before that we were in New Zealand. So to meet with different people in different parts of the world is is an it's enormous really privilege. That is amazing to go to these diverse areas uh, and have uh, an English adaptation of a, a very old English play uh, appeal to diverse audiences. What do you, it, it must be that DNA of the sort of uh, w- weary of all of this 1% stuff that's, uh, that, that's resonating with the audiences. Well, it was interesting in Colombia, you know, they, they really understand it. Yeah. On, on a level where it's their daily lives. And so the reaction from the people there was, was phenomenal. And to feel that when you're doing the show, you, you know, I think for me as an actor, I, when you connect with people's lives on that level, that's why you do it. Wow. So it's, it's a really amazing feeling. And we're really looking forward to, to, to all the people of Seoul coming to see it and, and how they relate to the show. Is it your first time in Seoul? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's a great place. Really great. Have you? I, I mean, have you been consumed by the show, or have you gotten out a bit? A little bit. I went for a wander. I've been just. I, I don't really like doing tourist things. I like just walking around and getting sure. a sense of the people and the place. And so I, I like to get lost. That's my the thing I like to do. But you've been to a, a dog cafe, was it? I have. I've been to a dog cafe, which was fantastic. And I've also <laughs> I've been right into a great big market. I couldn't tell you the name of it, but... Indoor s- or outdoor? Indoor, and I sat down... Like Guangzhou with- and the, um, the big indoor market with lots of pancake stalls and uh, food yeah, stalls. And I had like something, that. I've no idea what it was, but I think it was... Was it a, flat? No, it was a stuffed cuttlefish of some sort that was cut into slices. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, like a, like a, uh, a sundae, like a little, almost like a sausage made out of a squid. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, a squid sundae. Ojingo sundae, maybe. Delicious. Sounds and, wonderful. And, and fantastic, friendly people everywhere. Yeah. Fantastic. So you're enjoying it so far. Where next? Um, well, this is the end of Dead Dog in a Suitcase for us, for the time being. It might come back in 2018, but the next show for Nii is on at The Globe in London. Um, I was joint artistic director with Emma Rice, um, and she's now the artistic director of The Globe, so we're going there for the summer. The Globe, the famous Globe, Shakespeare's Globe. That's the one. Are you guys Shakespearean uh, trained folks? I'm definitely not, no. (laughs) Yeah? I I would... I guess I would say yeah. possibly, but I don't quite know what that means. But yes, I've you've done got lots you've of got a bit of Shakespeare. I've on been you. at the Royal Shakespeare Company. I no have. kidding. Yes, I have. Who, who have you played before that we might know? I've played Romeo. No kidding. Yeah, there you go. Fantastic, an opportunity to see Romeo turned assassin this <laughs> weekend <laughs> in Seoul with the. Oh, uh, before we go, Nihai. Why do you call yourselves Nihai? We've got an expression uh, in England: Nihai to a grasshopper, meaning smaller people uh, and when we first started uh, the early shows we didn't believe in just doing children's theatre or just adults theatre or physical theatre or musical theatre um, 
we believed in theatre for everyone, so we used to play to families, so that name has just stuck ever since then. Knee-high to a grasshopper. Knee-high is the production troupe Dead Dog in a Suitcase and Other Love Songs is the production. It's going on tonight, and then there are two shows tomorrow and two shows on Sunday at the LG Arts Centre. It is a very unconventional thing to come through Seoul. We're going to go out today a little bit uh, later on on a song from the musical Greenland's Coast. Would you just set that up real quickly for for me? Tell me what it's about. Yeah, this actually is one of the one of the tunes that originates from the original 1728. It's a it's a beautiful song, a kind of English folk song that the composer Charles Hazelwood has given a treatment, and it's when the contract killer McHeath and his and his new bride dream of being somewhere absolutely beautiful, dream of somewhere else that isn't corrupt. Somewhere over the rainbow kind of feeling to That's that. the kind of thing. Ed Hughes and Mike Shepard, thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. And that'll wrap up our show today. Koreascape is produced by Christina Saul with associate production from Jamie Lee. Writing is done by GP1. I'm Kurt Asian. We'll see you again tomorrow at 9.05 a.m. For now, enjoy Greenland's Coast.